very good to see you. And uh, as I was praying and thinking about what to preach about tonight, I am going to preach about the subject of waiting, waiting. Because I know, or I had a hunch, that quite a few would be sitting through this talk waiting for an event that's going to happen at 7 o'clock. And some of us, well, no, some of you couldn't care less about that. Um, nevertheless, waiting is important. Waiting doesn't come easily to many of us, does it? If any of us. But it's required of everybody who wants to follow God, everyone who wants to follow Jesus. In fact, I think most of us do everything we can to remove waiting from our lives. How many times, for example, if you go into a shop and there are people queuing at different tills, how many times do you look across and then decide that you'll change which queue you're in? Or when you're in traffic, how many times do you switch lanes because you just simply don't like waiting? Most of us will do the trade-off where we'd rather have fast food than wait for something with more flavor. I want it, and I want it now. It's kind of built into our psyche. It's a way of life, which is a problem for us when we follow Jesus Christ because it's not built into the Christian life, and it simply doesn't work when following Christ to demand everything out of him right now. So my very first point is this, that evidently walking with God requires and demands a lot of waiting. A lot of waiting. Because God acts at his own chosen speed. And at times it can seem to us that he's dragging his feet. He's holding us up. He's ignoring us. And what are we going to do when we feel like that? And this is not a trivial question for many of us. As you will know, if ever you've been praying for something and that prayer has not yet been answered, you want to know, God, why am I waiting? And it's not just prayers that haven't been answered, it's promises that haven't yet been delivered. And it's not just prayers and promises it's spiritual progress which doesn't yet seem to have happened. Habits in our lives that you would have thought, oh gosh, I should have got over that and gone through that by now. But you're waiting for that improvement. And even in that very brief introduction, I think there's enough said there that considering how essential and central waiting is for followers of Christ, I'm beginning to be surprised that we haven't talked about it more often and thought about it more often. First point I want to make is this, what waiting in scripture isn't. What waiting in scripture isn't. It's not like being put on interminable hold. I'm sure like me, you've had this ghastly experience where you ring up uh, some company or other and you get an automated response system and it says something like this, for an update on your delivery, press one. Place a new order, press two. To cancel your subscription, press three. For a billing inquiry, press four. And you press one of those, and then it says something like this. You now have seven options. And then another voice says, 
Did you know that you can find answers to most of your questions online? And then you listen to another load of options. And the last option is this, to speak to an operator, please hold the line. And then the line goes dead. And that is exactly what waiting on God is not like. How do I know it's not like that? Well, God isn't limited. He never has to put you and me on hold because he can't cope with all the demands coming in at him from all over the world at once. He, he can multitask and there's no end to his multitasking ability. So if we are waiting on God, it's not because his capacity is limited. It's because he's choosing that we should wait. Secondly, waiting in scripture is not like a bad joke. Like a joke that says, how do you keep an idiot in suspense? Get it? Well, you know, waiting on God is not like that. It's not some kind of a sick joke. God is good, and there is nothing in him and no part of him that is anything other than good. So he doesn't palm off his children or assign us on to the naughty step forever just to keep us out of the way. So what is going on in the waiting room then? And the answer is more than you might think. It isn't just static nothingness, though you can make it that if you choose. You can choose just to get agitated, frustrated, bitter, twisted, give up, and if you like, walk out. But there's a better way of getting through waiting than that. And here are some of the things that could be going on in the waiting room. Waiting can increase our sense of longing and our hunger and desperation for God and drive us closer to God. How do I know? Well, Psalm 130 is a very good example of that. Out of the depths I cry to you, Lord. Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to my cry for mercy. And you can tell he's, he's desperate as he cries. I wait for the Lord. My whole being waits, and in his word I put my hope. I wait for the Lord more than the watchman wait for the morning. And he repeats that, more than a watchman waits for the morning. And what he's saying there is probably something we've all experienced from time to time. The further with which we pray, the urgency, the realness with which we approach God, tends to go up the more desperate the spot is that we're in. Many of you will have seen, I'm sure, a rather, kind of rather pretty postcard or picture of, of two hands joined together in prayer like that. But actually, real prayer is very often more like clinging on with your fingertips. That's very often when we most press into the Lord. And that can be how it works out when we get desperate as we're waiting for God to answer our prayers. And then, secondly, waiting time can be used by God as time in which we grow up, time in which we can mature. And there are so many examples of this in scripture. Think of, say, Moses trudging around the mountain, looking after sheep every day, day after day, year after year, doing nothing much at all, apart
apart from trudging after the sheep. I can't think of a more boring job than that. And he did that having escaped as, as a refugee because he was a murderer. He was keeping out of Pharaoh's way. And what was going on over the 40 years he spent doing that? Well, I don't know exactly, but I do know partly his character was being transformed. He was having the arrogance of his Egyptian education knocked out of him. And he was having obedience drilled into him. So that when God does eventually speak to him out of a burning bush, he's up for it. Or think of Joseph of Technicolor Dreamcoat fame. When he was a young man, you remember he had those dreams and God promised him all sorts of things. But as you read his story, there's years and years and years of waiting. He's sold into slavery. He's separated from his family. He, he spends years in prison. He's forgotten. What's going on? Well, it's not glamorous. Little by little, little by little, little by little, again, his arrogance is being knocked out. And his dependence on God is being reinforced. And you can illustrate the same thing through countless people in Scripture and countless people out of Scripture that God causes us to wait, to wait so that he can be at work in our lives. That was true of King David. It was true of all of the disciples. It was true of all the, the heroes mentioned in Hebrews chapter 11. Oak trees don't reach maturity overnight but they do grow overnight. Disciples don't reach maturity overnight, but we can grow as we wait. And how we behave in the waiting room reveals a lot about how mature we are or how much we have to learn. As I did a, a little study on the word wait and waiting in scripture, I discovered that person after person quoted in scripture develops a faith that God is with them and able to bless them as they wait. And I'm going to read you some of the examples. So King David in Psalm 37, for example, prays, commit your way to the Lord, trust in him and he'll do this. He'll make your righteousness, he'll make your righteous reward shine like the dawn. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Don't fret when people succeed in their ways when they carry out their wicked schemes. Or I think of Isaiah in chapter 62, who wrote, Since ancient times no one has heard, no ear has perceived, no eye has seen any God besides you who acts on behalf of those who wait for him. Or Jeremiah in the book of Lamentations, in one of the saddest portions of scripture, in chapter 3, when he says, I've forgotten what happiness is. Then goes on to say, and yet I say to myself, the Lord is my portion and I will wait for him. The Lord is good to those whose hope is in him, to the one who seeks him. It's good to wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. And this kind of waiting is not waiting in resignation waiting passively it's an active kind of waiting like some of you are waiting for seven o'clock it is it is god having his children looking to him and expecting something 
to happen. What each of these people in scripture had come to see is that time waiting should never be wasted. Reach out and cry out to the living God. One of the people who has the most influence on my walk with God as a Christian is a man many years older than me who was an accountant. And he taught me over 12 years, and meeting me week by week by week, to rely on the goodness of God. And so many times we were waiting for answers to prayer. So many times we were waiting for money to come in so the church could run. So many times we just had to rely on God's goodness. And it was such an inspiration for me to have this man come into my study week by week and say, Rupert, God is faithful. We can trust in him. So just to consider specifically, what are we waiting for? What are we waiting for? And there's a slight warning I want to give here. If you're not waiting for anything from God, you should be. If you feel you've received absolutely everything that God has to give you, you're not then walking what's known as walking by faith, which is what pleases him. Here are some things that we wait on God for. It's not, it's not a complete list, it's just some things. We wait on the Lord for strength. We wait on him to strengthen us. Isaiah chapter 40, those who wait upon the Lord will renew their strength. And it's interesting, the disciples were told exactly the same by Jesus, weren't they? Before he was crucified and before he ascended, he said, wait in Jerusalem until you're clothed with power from on high. That's Luke chapter 24. Did they? Well, evidently, no, they didn't, not according to John's gospel. They found the waiting too difficult. They went out fishing for a bit. But eventually they got to a place where they were all together and they wait upon the Lord and ask him for strength and they're filled with the Holy Spirit. We're waiting for God to heal creation. In Romans chapter 8, Paul spells out an incredibly vivid picture in which he says, for creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed so that creation can be liberated from its bondage to decay. There's a waiting game going on there. We wait, says Paul, for the redemption of our bodies, for new bodies. In Romans 8:23. not only so, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for the adoption of, to sonship the redemption of our bodies. And uh, as you get older, you get more familiar with ways in which your body needs renewing and is wearing out. And Paul says, you wait, you wait, because one day God will give you a renewed body, a perfect body. And most obviously of all, we're waiting for the Lord's return. And this theme comes again and again and again and it comes from Jesus' lips most often. But James in chapter 5 says, Be patient then, brothers and sisters, until the Lord's coming. Be patient. See how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop, patiently waiting for the autumn and spring rains. And that's the best illustration of why waiting is scriptural. No farmer scatters the seed 
and expects that the next morning it will be fully mature and ready to be harvested. That is built into the whole process a period of waiting. And all sorts of things going on to that seed which we can't see. And we're told in scripture, wait for the Lord's appearing. Wait for the second coming. So I hope that all I've said so far, and I'm near the end, is making it clear that when we're waiting, it's not a sign that things have gone wrong. It's what happens when things are going right. What can we do as we wait? A number of things. We can watch and pray. Somehow or other, our praying impacts the timing of God's return. Our praying impacts the speed at which he does things. We can wait with expectation, not so much with the kind of cry, how long, O Lord, how long will you forget me? But much more, come, Lord Jesus, come. We can wait with celebration, because we do see something of a presence of the future now. We see little glimpses of the kingdom of God, and we can celebrate those. And we can wait with anticipation. There are some quite heroic examples of people doing this in scripture. As we come to the Christmas story, I think Simeon and Anna, those two characters that lurk around in the temple, waiting for the consolation of Israel, waiting for the appearance of Jesus. And I was surprised to discover that there is one man who's mentioned in Luke's gospel, very near the end in Luke chapter 23, who seems to be one of the best waiters of the New Testament. And his name is Joseph of Arimathea. Now there was a man named Joseph, a member of the council, a good and upright man who had not consented to their decision and action, that is to crucify Jesus. He came from the Judean town of Arimathea and he himself was waiting for the kingdom of God. Isn't that striking? He was waiting for the kingdom of God. And one of the main things we can do is encourage each other in the long wait. And this thought occurred to me as I come to a close, that if we think we've been waiting a long time, it's nothing compared to the patience of God. Nothing compared to his patience as he waits before he comes back. God's rescue plans first mentioned in Genesis chapter 3, but we know that before the creation of the world, Jesus had been set aside to be the lamb that would redeem us. And Paul says to the Romans, at just the right time, Jesus died for us. And again to the Galatians, he said, when the time had fully come, Jesus came into the world. And when the time has fully come, he will come back and claim his own. And until then, we wait and hope. Let's pray together before we worship again.